Welcome to Junkyard Theory. And every once in a while, we get somebody uh, from a mod, from a niche department that's not usually given the spotlight. And yet, they end up making movies what they are. And when it comes to blockbusters or action movies in general, the fight choreographer is somebody who makes all these fights as dynamic, vibrant, and bone-crunchingly amazing as usual. And we got Clayton J. Barber in the house today. His film credits range from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers all the way up to Creed 3. And he's worked on over 100 movies. And I do not have the time to go through every single one, but go check his IMDb out, people. I'm so stoked, stoked to uh, have Clayton on the show. Clayton, thank you so much for joining. Are you born? Are you born? Thank you, Akash. Um, appreciate the talk to everyone. Clayton, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on board. And uh, the moment I saw Creed 3, I knew instantly that I wanted to get whoever choreographed the fights on the show. Because you guys did something quite special on that one. But before we come to Creed 3, I want to know more about who you are, where you come from. So tell me your origin story. Well, originally I'm from uh, Dallas, Texas. And um, as a kid, I grew up watching movies like everyone else. That is the inspiration that starts us all into this fantasy world uh, and, and learning stage in our life. Um, and then, you know, I, I gravitated towards sports as a young kid and, and you know, watching the 80 hockey team for America was very inspirational for me to say, okay, I want to go to the Olympics. And by virtue of that, I landed in martial arts because I had always done some kind of physical thing, whether it's soccer, dance, gymnastics, or, you know, whatever. I was always flipping around. And I happened to land uh, by seeing, you know, Into the Dragon, you know, watching Bruce Lee. I, I really fell in love with the sort of, you know, rhythm of dance of fighting. And so, yeah, as a young kid, I started doing martial arts. Uh, started out in the, uh, you know, around 1980-ish, um, 79. Um, and at that just time... To, sorry, just, just going to hold you there for a minute. Uh, anybody who watches Enter the Dragon at a young age, I think this movie has such a profound impact on so many people. Like, it changes their lives. I mean, I remember watching Enter the Dragon as, as a kid, and that movie changed changes your brain chemistry in some way i guess yeah because because it was the first it was mm. the and it's a classical it's like lawrence of arabia you know when you watch a a big period so it it was the first thing to show someone in a mythical way fighting besides swords you know usually in a western perspective we we watch swashbuckling movies uh but when that came out it was very you know asian oriented from a chinese perspective of kung fu and fighting with the hand you know chinese boxing which was different and and to have it come out with a a gentleman so charismatic uh like bruce lee um you know it affected all of us like literally every single human on earth when we saw that we were like who is that who's doing that what is that and how do we do that <laughs> because it was so you know it was so in, impressive so yeah you know, it's a, it i think it's influence i mean if, if it doesn't influence you then perhaps you're looking at the wrong things. You might want to go back and look at that because that's that's better than fine wine, you know, for sure. A thousand percent. So, yeah, if you're talking about uh, your origin story. Yeah, no, it's just like, you know, look, like any other kid, doesn't matter where you're from, you just start doing things. 
And for me, mm. I just started doing martial arts. At the time, it was karate and taekwondo and very archaic things. Of course, you have wrestling, you know, the oldest martial art in the world that all countries do. Um, but, you know, it, it was at that time, it was put into the form of, okay, Japanese karate or Chinese kung fu or Korean taekwondo. But they're all all kind of same. So there was a little misdirection there when it came to really understanding at the time what we were all doing because it was just sort of a, the impetus to a lot of this stuff, right? Mm. So I fell in love with it. I did it. I love the rhythm to it. Um, I love the, the the distancing and the, the almost like fencing, you know, the combative nature to it. And uh, yeah, I did it. Uh, and I did it for a while. And I'm, you know, I made the U.S. team in Taekwondo and I competed as a young athlete. And then when I retired from that, I said, look, I always wanted to go to Hollywood, make movies because of what influenced me when I was a kid. And that's what I did. And I ended up in Hollywood, as they say. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I started making movies from the bottom up to the top down. And uh, a lot of the guys that I saw as a kid, I ended up, they ended up mentoring me. So it was very funny how I willed myself to be in that position, to be around the guys that were in Enter the Dragon. Like the guy who got me in the business was named Pat Johnson. He was in Enter the Dragon. He was in that scene in the golf club. Uh, he goes, it's the dough rope or we got to break something. And he fights John Saxon when he's playing golf in the flashback. That's Pat yeah. Johnson. And um, he also did the Ninja Turtles in the Karate Kid series. And um, so when I came out to Hollywood, I ended up, landing to him and he you know he discovered me and i just started you know getting going from there wow that's yeah. quite somebody to uh have as a mentor i guess you know? well yeah i mean it's just you know you it's the right place right time you, mm. you could have had many i mean i had many mentors but you know he was one but at the end of the day you know you're you're gonna walk down a path and but along the way you're gonna come across people that are either gonna help you or you know try to put you down and you exactly. have to go around that. So you have to find people that can help you. And I, and I was very lucky to be around a lot of people that um, were willing to recognize something um, and, and pass on the tradition of filmmaking uh, and martial arts and things like that, that, you know, that we all need, you know, we all need big brothers. We all need, you know, father figures. We all need, you know, strong teachers um, and, and strong mothers and and all these things in our lives. And I think it's very important, especially going down the path of mar of a martial artist to have that because it's it's built, it's predicated more on uh, than punching and kicking. It's predicated on, you know, a right of, of you, you gotta honor the tradition of that and you have to respect it, integrity, honor, discipline, humility. And these are very basic fundamental principles if you're gonna be a, a, a warrior. You know, if you're going to if you're going to practice the warrior arts, because it takes so much time to, to achieve greatness at it. And sometimes you'll go 40, 50 years and still never be able to do it right. Um, that is very true. And this is. <laughs> nice, so. And it's really wonderful that you, uh, you know, you, as you were saying earlier, before before we started recording the session that you want to pass on your knowledge over to, you know, the upcoming generation, because that's something that we need more of because uh, there's too much knowledge that's being lost in the sands of time with people not passing knowledge on. And that's in a way, one of the reasons why this podcast also was started during the pandemic to pass yeah, knowledge good. on. And, you know, once it's up on the internet, it'll last for as long as the internet stays exactly, up. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you're doing yeah. a good thing. You know, you're good doing a good thing, reaching out to people. Uh, the, the main important part is to be curious. You know, um, oh, yes. I, I think to be curious is the most important element of a human being, mm. uh, which allows that person to go in a, into an adventure. 
And if you're not curious, you'll never find out anything in life. Very true. You got to go down the, the, the rabbit hole. Yes, yes. <laughs> so coming from a martial arts background and then, uh, you know, get hopping into cinema, you and I we know that, you know, what works in the street is uh, not as flashy. It's not as cinematic as what you see on the screen, right? On right. screen, it's more of a choreographed ballet. So right. what was this process like coming from a martial arts background where you actually competed and then transferring your skills over to the cinematic art form? Well, I think you're, you're spot on. I mean, look, <clears throat> obviously real fighting is chaotic and, and it has no structure, no form, and you have to adapt to whatever environment the same way an animal does in the wilderness. You know, there, there, you, you cannot just think that you can do theory and, and it works. So, <laughs> well, because, you know, everything on the street is very pithy. It's, it's what works and it's about survival. There, there are no dramatic poses and, you know, and, and, and things that we like in life. This is the reason why we have drama in movies. You know, because we we like that. We like to to put forth musicals and drama and 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 the old sort of tales that we do, and everybody's there, and it's like Shakespeare and and this and that, right? But in in, in the movies is different because it's a it's an extension of the form of what we can do in real life to what is fantastical and fantasy. It's the same like when you 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 eat. You know, usually you eat you eat very sort of. Um, basic you know to, to survive but when you have a feast mm. you have a feast and then so, you invite everybody yeah. over and it's a presentation right so because that presentation is the same thing like martial arts you you allow yourself to to go into a, another world and another fantasy of what it could be what i might be what i you know what i can think and and i like that i like the the difference between because there's a lot of things that are in that you do in reality that you can do in movies and vice versa in a lot, a lot of ways. But a lot of times the movies is the accentuation, um, you know, the, the tie, the hat into what you're doing because it's you're mm. you're performing. You know, it's like an old uncle telling you a story. So there were three big giants that came down and they had big sticks and they, they tell the story. And I think in movies, that's what you do. But in real life, you don't have a story of three giants. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a little bit different. So there's a balance there of, you know, the fantasy that we all love as human beings, you know, and then the reality that we have to live in. And so I try to find the balance in that. I don't get bogged down on what works in reality to what goes on mm -hmm. film. What I, what I do in film is I take an idea and I learn the rhythm and I, and I find out the instrument that's going to be played, whether it's a drum, a horn, a guitar, whatever it is, and I play that instrument to the sound where it's going to hit masses with a melody the same way you play an instrument where they like. Okay. Mm. I can't, I can't play a chord in real life. People are going to, that's boring. But what I can do is I can present something that's beautiful. And I think that you have to approach cinema that way because it's an, it's an art form in that way because it's a dance and it's a violent ballet of what you're doing. It's a violent ballet. I, I, I really like that term. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when it comes to, you know, uh, say you get the screenplay. Yeah. How do you start choreographing something like uh, from paper to screen? Walk me through that process. You just look at the, the text. You look at the story. Um, you look at the character. Hmm. You look at the environment. And you look at the weapon. Those three or four things determine how you orchestrate your song, your violent ballet. So it tells you what language you're talking in. 
you know like when you travel to europe and around the world you can speak four or five different languages when you go to a place you know and it tells you how you're communicating right sure. same way with fighting same way with language i look at those three or four things that allows me to say now i'm going to make the song that fits the script because the I'm not the ownership of the script, most of the scripts, unless I'm doing something personally. But if I get someone else's story and someone says to me, says, hey, can you create a, a world around this? I say, sure. And then I look at the script. And I read it. And say, it's a nice story. It's a love story, revenge story, whatever. Okay, great. The guy's strong. He, he carries a weapon. It's a sword. Great. So he's going to fight with the sword. <laughs> and uh, he loves his family. He's a man of honor. Perfect. And then you then you lay it down and then you you go and do it and then, and then that that makes it very easy for me to translate you know how to do a, a rhythm fight scene no matter what language is in no matter what country you're in you know no matter where you go it's the same all stories are the same they just wear different coats that's lovely you know I mean? yeah they, they just yeah they, they just wear different clothes that's all true 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 and probably speak a different language but yes exactly everybody understands the visual language yeah 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 uh so you come up with this fight choreography right and it's very character-centric location-centric also and we hear this so often that oh, all right every single thing that a character does has to be influenced by something that's happened before or you know based on their behavior it's it's supposed to come from within do you follow this exact same principle or are there times where you bend the rule a little bit just to make it a little bit more fun for the audience something that might well, a thousand percent a thousand percent you you have yeah. to bend it for the audience like i said otherwise you're doing a a, a tragedy play constantly you know where, where everything has to be rooted in something so dramatic you know but that's not all life you know sometimes things happen spontaneously um and and you need to to exercise that, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, it 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 just really depends, you know, and what you're where you're trying to go with it. But, you know, I I don't get bogged down on you know like when I tried to entertain the audience, I go, okay, is the story rooted in something real? Okay, fine, it's revenge or a mother is killed. Then I look at it as a different context about what the character's thinking. Is it rooted in something where he's happy and he's going to go find something, you know, uh, clear across his country or whatever. And he just wants to go on a journey. Then, you know, you, you make it a little bit more comedical and fun because the guy is living life and he's having a blast. So it just, it really depends. I mean, like, look, stereotypically, like you said, most stories are rooted in something that is translatable all across the world in something deep. Mm. Okay. And it usually starts with that honor, family, life, brotherhood, love revenge you know ambition you know whatever it is it's always going to drive the human being inside of us because we all have those things like some sort of purpose yeah exactly you have to have some sort of purpose most humans in in the world in general are always looking for that purpose which is why we have all this conflict and problems in in life you see it in every society uh, is everyone trying to find that purpose? Um, and, and when you do find that purpose, it's usually portrayed on film in the vein of a character that's usually fighting for the populist masses, living vicariously through that character. And they love to say, well, I'm going to be like that. I want to, you know, I dream to be like that because that guy's fighting for something. And that's why we gravitate towards those characters, because we wish we could be that way. I really like how philosophical it got 
very quickly. <laughs> I know. Well, listen, you're talking. You're this is who I am. So uh, you know, and I, and I prefer the podcast to be layered than more topical, uh, because you know, you I, I love this. Follow. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. I'd say we dive in. You know, like you know, because like, it's all it's all connected. You know, and I think mm. that the viewer is like looking for me to chew bubble gum and say, "Hey, it's great to punch and kick." La la la. I think what's important is the people, the one percent that are going to understand this, and then the people who are hungry, they're going to understand what I'm trying to pass on, because it's not all my thoughts are not my thoughts; they're borrowed. So, I mean, and borrowed or stolen. I never come up with an original idea my whole life. I've always mm. stolen it. So, yeah. but I, what I do is I pay respect to good ideas, and I want to make sure that people understand. Like, look, when you're doing movies, when you're doing things like that. Take yourself seriously, but not that seriously. You need to get out of the way in what you do so that you can really perform magic. It's like get out of the way of the instrument. Play the instrument. Don't act like you're the instrument. You're not the instrument. You're only the vessel that's playing the notes. And, and I think that the more you study life, the more you study these things, it's going to make you a better choreographer, in my opinion, and a better storyteller. Because, again, stories are very ancient. And there's not really, there's no such thing as a new story. No. So there's, there's only new times, but every story becomes relevant, you know, and I think that we all have to, in every society. So, um, and that's what I try to placate. And that, I think that's what keeps it real, keeps it grounded. And it keeps me thinking in a proper way. It's, it's very uh, interesting that you said that. And also uh, what you said previously that, you know, uh, so many things in life are spontaneous. Yes. And it's pretty much the same in filmmaking also, because no matter how much you choreographed a particular fight scene, like maybe you prepared for it months on end, but then on the day of the shoot, there's so many things that don't necessarily go according to plan. And you probably have to improvise. I'm pretty sure you've had your fair share of these experiences as well. Oh, 100%. Uh, I, I, I call that jazz. Jazz. And I call that jazz filmmaking, which means you, you just improv and, and go for it, right? Mike Tyson has the famous quote, everyone has a plan till you get punched in the face. Punch in the face. <laughs> yeah. And film is a lot like that because in film, you have structure, you have a, a preparation, you have storyboards, you have the script, you have the rehearsals. But a lot of times when you get onto the set, you get onto the environment, something happens. Something changes because it was never envisioned in the script. It was never envisioned in the conversation because now you have something real to see and also what also doesn't happen is that you bring let's say three four five guys together in one room for the first time and before that time you never ever saw their chemistry it's like taking five different animals and put them in the same room they'll they'll go around they'll smell each other they'll do this they'll they'll play they'll do this like and then all of a sudden you realize okay who's the alpha what's this what's that you understand start like that and then all yeah. of a sudden you go wait a minute now let's make a scene. So you show up there and everybody starts going, well, I want to do this and I want to do that. And you just let them play around like the, you know, in the, in the box until you go, okay, now here's what we're going to do. And by virtue of that, they all come together very quickly. They realize who they are in the room and they start to become an ensemble of what you're trying to play. The same thing happens with action. You'll have something planned like pop, 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 pop. But then when the camera's over here, let's say on the opposite side, or you shoot something wide or a medium shot, you're like, wait a minute, it looks much better from that. We did everything here. Let's go back here and let's do that. And let's come in for the impact shot. And it and and you can't see that 
until you're on the set or or let's say you're doing a scene and you planned it and all of a sudden on the day for whatever reason one actor one stunt guy does something magical and he makes a mistake and in that mistake it's better than the thing you planned i go we're going with the mistake <laughs> we <laughs> because it looks better and and that's the beauty of playing the jazz is that there's no rules you you want to have rules to start with and then you want to throw the rules out the door when you go there because that's how you create magic it's like like i said it's like a fight and you don't know what's going to happen when a fight happens exactly it's spontaneous and then go with that but, but you all the prep that you did allows you to have a backbone and a structure and a support base to not fail you understand so you change exactly. your algorithm like tetris so you had this plan but then he did this now we just move it around like this and go pop and we go back to the same thing you did it ends up becoming better and that's when people find magic moments that is so true i mean like from the little experience that i have shooting stuff like uh and, and then coming back to martial arts philosophy you have that saying where you know you go uh, it's better to be a, a warrior in a garden than a garden in the wall yes so you have all that prep and nothing really you know uh, sometimes you probably have to throw your plan out of out the window but that plan that preparation it prepares you psychologically also to handle like it gives you an idea how to go from a to b yes how do you yes. find it find the way that's up to you yes yes very good yes yeah and uh talk to me a little bit i, I want to go back to the beginning uh so mighty morphin power rangers like i have a very soft spot for this show <laughs> <laughs> grew up watching it and they had the 30th anniversary uh reunion yeah, thingy on yeah. netflix yeah. Yeah. as well uh i take it you doubled billy no, I didn't double Billy. Not no. Billy. Who, I, who I played double? I played random characters on there because when when I did it, you know, I did it with my buddy JJ Perry and and, and Koichi Sakamoto uh, was uh, directing at the time, you know, so he was a sort of a big staple in the Power Rangers, mm-hmm. um, you know, Yuji and Tetsuro, all the the Alpha stunt team, and I just came in because when I first got to Hollywood, you know, after I retired from fighting. You know, you play all these little small parts. You start at the bottom the same way Bruce Lee did or Samo Hung or, you know, uh, Jackie Chan. They all started out as stuntmen. And, uh, yeah, I just played random, like, bad guys with, like, you know, pig noses and, like, you know, like crazy ears and, you know, the whatever they, they had, you know. And then you know, the Power Rangers would come in and they go, boom, and they, you know, kick me and I go flying and, you know, do whatever. So it was it was more like a, a beginning breeding ground for me that – type of uh format um you know uh, just kind of learning to have fun having fun is something that uh can't be stressed enough i guess because otherwise you uh you know you you come up with a lackluster product at the end, end of the day that no one really enjoys but the love that you pour into something and say so you are enjoying the whole process i think you see much more of a better result at the end of the day i think so I think so yeah. because I mean if you're having fun then you know the audience might have fun if you're not having fun then you're taking a big risk true um, and yeah sorry no I'm just saying you know you know you 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 must try to enjoy a little bit of what you do I mean uh, no one's putting a gun to my head or your head doing this um so we we must say look what is the joy of what you're doing either you like it or you don't because but a lot of people get obviously you know uh, lost in the in the endeavor or the journey sometimes because of power and this and that and and that's natural that's a human human trait uh, but they quickly find that the power like a battery in a phone runs out 
So <laughs> the power only lasts so long. So enjoy it because eventually the bars are going to go down. And <laughs> when the bars go down, they realize, oh, I should have like took better care and enjoying the process. <laughs> Tell that to every single politician out there. <laughs> I know. Well, listen, that's that's why I stay out of it. You know, like it's it's like talking to a doorknob. You know, you can't uh, you cannot go against what human nature is. Um, mm. You know, so you have to just let it, you know, rise and fall like the, the sun or a flower. Uh, it lives and it dies. It takes you know? its natural course. Yeah, exactly. You have to let it take its natural course. Yeah. When you plan out a scene, a fight yep. scene, you know, having worked as a stuntman, you know what it's like performing. And, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes shooting something, it just takes days or maybe even yeah. weeks. And you run the uh, the risk of your muscles warming up, cooling down because there's so much time in between takes, and the the risk of injury. You know, as a stunt person, I'm pretty sure you've had your fair share. How do you try to minimize or mitigate this when it comes to you working now as a fight choreographer? Well, look, there's no way around when you do something physical day in and day out that you're not going to be hurt or sore mm. and yeah i mean you can't really uh stop it but you can't you can't but don't the only thing that really the the most common answer i can give is to always stay in shape now that that being said well if you're going to be in that profession you know what i mean like you you don't have to stay in that shape if you're not in that profession perhaps right but if you're going to mm. do something physical that you know then try to stay sharp the same way you would keep a knife sharp you know, like, you know, don't ever let the knife get dull. And then you, you know, and then you wonder why, okay, the knife can't cut. Then you wonder why you can't do what you do is because you're, you're weak. So I would say that, but you know, other than that, Oshkosh, it's like when you choose something so physical, it's like sports. Okay. Military S things or um, whatever you do, you just have to live with pain and the pain, the pain is part of the, the journey and part of the struggle. Like if you, if everything was non-painful, then it would not be a journey. You wouldn't feel good. Let's go deeper. Let's go deep. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't do that. So you must fight with torn muscles, broken bone. I mean, I've done it many times, broken hands, broken feet, broken leg. Like, and I sit there and I go, why am I doing this? And I, and then I look at myself. And I said, because I, I'm pushing past something that I believe that I can't do. My mind's telling me I can't do. And then I tell my mind that it can. Then it tells you you can. Then you do it. And then you go, my God, I just did that. And then the pain lasts for a few days. And then it's over. And you're so happy that you were so strong to try to do something. I'd much rather do that than go, ow, my pinky's hurt. Let's shut down until my pinky gets better. <laughs> I'd much rather put the pinky here and keep going and suffer through it. And then I go, that was worth it because the end result is the journey. Like you're not going to climb a mountain and not suffer climbing the mountain. And I think a lot of people think that like, you know, when you, when you do action, it's like, oh, you know, you're getting hurt. So, yeah, it's Jackie Chan got hurt. Everybody gets hurt. Everybody. Yeah. But you got to find a way unless you just can't. You have to find a way to push forward. And 100% of the time when you do that, you always go. Thank you. Because you learn so much about yourself. You learn so much that the body and mind is so powerful and strong. And I think that we have to keep that in mind when we do these fight scenes. 
um, because it's a it's a strong strong person's game. You know, this is not for the weak. It's like if you know if you have a problem, you're sick, then don't do it. But yeah. you got to be able to get punched in the face. You got to be able to get hit. You got to be able to work. You know, in a very limited uh, capacity. Movie business is not easy. Like you know, your your audience will understand. It's like making a movie. They see the TV, but they don't understand what goes on behind it. There's a lot of people who suffer to to make that there. And a lot of times it comes from the actor. Look what Keanu Reeves did in John Wick. That guy trains uh, six hours a day for six months uh, to do that at 56 years old. Yeah. You know, um, that's amazing. And other actors won't do that, but he does. And you'll and come from the set and he'll, he'll be hurt. He'll be like, no, let's just do two more takes. Let's get it over. <laughs> and he'll be like this. <laughs> and and they'll do it, and then they'll cut and be like, "Oh, I'm glad I did that because it's so worth it." You know, like, and then they'll go back, and you give them some ice. You know, you take care of them for a couple of days, and then they they're they're fine. It's a uh, it's old stories and battle wounds you want to give. That's very true because like you go through something so painful, and then uh, we we recently had this shoot that lasted a couple of days, and we went into the wild way uh, at midnight. Uh, you know, uh, braving the elements and came out the next day and i know everybody was like uh kind of grumbling all the way <laughs> to the location and throughout the shoot and all that but once you get back that's what i was, I was telling them now you have a story to tell yeah everybody's happy everybody <laughs> loves you know yeah we, we always complain about everything that's happening to us until afterwards that's called the reflection of like the journey so you know I, that's all i know because you know i i also bit you know i always complained you know in the beginning until i realized that what was happening you know it's you got to just keep pushing forward. And if you really love what you're doing, you can't stop. I mean, you 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 can't just stop at the first little thing that happens to you. You know, you, you got to keep going and just take it. And then if it becomes too bad, of course, you stop. I mean, if it's really bad. You got to like, know the limits. But yeah, you, if you really break something bad or, mm. you know, OK, fine. But if it's very minor, your body and brain is so powerful. Yeah. You can do so many things. Uh, it, it's a mind it's a, over matter. Mind over matter. Your body heals itself constantly. Um, it's always constant regenerating. So you, you'll be fine. True. Uh, when it comes to you know uh, the more recent flicks that you've done, like I'm sure there's a lot of safety protocols in place, and studios also demand you know this something called previs, like yes. visualization for yes. those of you know. For the audience who doesn't know, could you just walk us a little bit through what previous is and how you prepare for you know uh, sequences like that? Understand. Well, previsual is what is being asked of us to it's testing and proving the concept from the script that you mentioned earlier. So a scene is written, and then we, the stunt team, will read the script, and then we will go to the gym and we will choreograph that to what we think the story is. And after we do that, then we will visualize it with the camera. We will shoot what we think the story is with the camera and the angles and this and that. And then we will present it back to the director or the company and say, this is our version that you asked to go out and create. And pre-visual is very important now because it's, again, it's, it's considered like your outline, the way when you write a report. Um, it is the most, one of the most, it's like storyboards. When you do storyboards, you're pre-visualizing the image or the camera angle you want vis-a-vis -a, -vis a drawing, what you want to do. The pre-visual in the video is now you're seeing the action take place. 
for a hypothetical environment or sometimes in the same environment, but you already shot list your world with the camera. And then you just go in with the, the director of photography or the director, and you just go in and do that. A lot of times the director will give you carte blanche and say, go and, and do it. Sometimes the director wants to be involved with everything. Hmm. And that's fine too. It just depends on how they work. Uh, my suggestion is if you want to be economical in shooting film, <clears throat> do prep, prep, do storyboards, do pre-visual. Uh, that way you, you walk on the set, everybody understands what's happening. Everyone understands the camera angles. Everyone's rehearsed it and you can move and, and fly. But if you just get in there and make it up, like, you know, what I was saying earlier about a magic moment, that's, that's only like one moment, you know, sure. but you still stay to the plan because you, you have to stay in the confines of what you're doing. Uh, wardrobe, makeup, uh, a, a, spe a special effects, uh, production design. They're all involved in that because something's going to blow up or a, a, a costume might, you know, if you get stabbed or shot, might get hit. You got to, all that's got to be coordinated. So that you efficiently, the, the information for all departments is translated down to that. The pre-visual allows all of those departments to come together. It's like solving a Rubik's Cube and then figuring out you solve one side and, oh, I got like yeah. four more sides to look into. <laughs> to figure out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's a good it's analogy. Be it's, a, it's beautiful because like, you know, you come to this stage where you can... <clears throat> right now in this day and age where filmmaking the technology itself is democratized you can just shoot a previous sequence from your iphone or whatever yeah and you can yep. pretty much it's it speeds up the process it, ma it makes it all the more easier and they didn't have this back when uh you know uh jimmy wang you bruce lee jackie chan did, did no, it back no, in the no, day no. you know and it's just it's a testament to how technology evolves and also how the art form of action evolves along with it because you see movies like the raid and how much that pushes ac action uh the john wick series and i think you worked with uh, gareth evans on gangs of london too yeah he was yeah he was over there he was an executive producer but you know the thing about gareth gareth's um secret sauce is that he preps a lot preps, yeah he he preps for like a year and he's one of the best preppers in the world because he knows exactly he's testing and proving exactly what he's going to do from the visual effects to the practical effects, to the, the scenes itself, and to the camera. And uh, and that's why his scenes are so dynamic is because they're well thought out, they're well planned, uh, and they have a meaning. And every every action, everything has a, a connotation, a, a punctuation to what he's trying to do, and it's very mm -hmm. visible. So, yeah, he's he's one of the best planners in the world. Uh, I, I think he's probably one of the best you know action directors in the world, period, uh, because of that process. Um, and so, yeah, he's uh, he's definitely someone to emulate as best you can. Uh, it's hard to do because he really pushes the envelope hard. Um, and I really got a lot of respect for him, man. He's a, a great, great filmmaker. When it comes to, uh, you know, you said previously that you get carte blanche from most directors when it come, when you show uh, a previous a previous sequence. Uh, what? How do you? Uh, I feel like what I'm trying to ask is like how, how do you uh, stick within the director's specific style? Because some some of them, although they might not be well versed in the law of action, like how to shoot it, they come with a very specific, distinct style. And how do you manage to make sure sure uh, you know the the sequence that you come up with are true to the director's vision? Well, 
listen, my position and what I do as a stunt coordinator, executive director, um, is not that far of a leap from what the director's doing. Yeah. So basically, when you fly a plane, you have a pilot and you have a co-pilot. So you take the co-pilot seat. In I'm a co-pilot. The language of understanding what the director mm -hmm. wants is very simple because it's he's telling me what he needs. And if you're versed in all these things like languages and this and that, you just say, okay. Now, your job is to take whatever the director tells you. Mm -hmm. I want this and this. It's a great. And you go out and do it. And, and then you go and test and prove it called previous. When you look at the previous, the director can look at it and go, that's not working. Or this is working, right? And then from that process, you go through an editorial process of maybe doing two or three different passes of that until you get the vision that's in his head or her head or whatever you're doing. But for me personally, it's very simple because I'm speaking the same language and we're the same filmmaker. The only difference is I'm just playing the co-pilot. You understand what I mean? So yeah, yeah. we're flying the same plane. So for me, I don't look at it as a radical, like it's not hard because look, really good directors and they're hard to find everywhere know exactly what they want, but then they trust and macro their vision out to really smart people. Hmm. Really bad directors control everything they want. And, and that's a problem. So it's very simple for me to decipher between a really good director. A really good director will say, look, I trust you. Go and do this. That's called a great leader and a good visionary. And then they marry. we marry what he wants to do through everything else. A really bad director is like, I don't trust you. Well, I want this and I want that. Then you got a problem. Then that's when you say, look, my friend, you know, maybe you should pick a different career and not direct. <laughs> that's that's very no, true. I'm serious. Like, or, or go do personal films that you're in complete control and you're a dictator of your ideas. But making a movie is a collaboration. You know, it is a director's form, but it's also a writer's form. Production design, makeup, this, that, you know, it's everybody's form. And if you don't trust them, then you're making the wrong film. It's true. It's very true because uh, it's kind of like going to war, but realizing that everyone's on the same side. Yes. Everyone's living this one ultimate master called the film. Well, also, the way I look at it as well, if I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, this one, you very correctly said that previously. You, know, you want to delegate all the work uh, the, to uh, people smarter than you, people who know how to do that job better than you do. Trust them. And let them fly. Don't try to control yeah. them because everybody's going to have their own path. The, the goal for you as a filmmaker is to find a group of people to collaborate with in a short time. Maybe you make two or three movies and let them fly. And then you guys, after a while, come back together again. But you have to keep moving. You cannot just keep keeping the same thing over and over and over. You want to utilize people's talent and spread their wings and then turn them loose. If they come back to you, then that means it's good. If they don't, then you understand. But at least you you got to experience each other. Like you don't have to get bogged down on the ownership of the people you work with. Let let it all happen naturally. And I like that process because I work with thousands of people. And every time I work in a movie, I work with somebody new. And I'm just like, okay, here's a new journey. Here's a new, let's go. You know, like sometimes you use the same guys, but a lot of times you don't have a chance to. So you really have to be open to just the moment in making a movie not you know the control of the moment mm. let the moment happen be in the now yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess your viewers are like hey i thought you guys were going to talk about karate and kung fu you're talking about all kinds of weird stuff 
<laughs> we got all kinds of weird audiences over here too. So I know, I know. I mean, yeah, we got the full spectrum. <laughs> yeah, it's better, to, it's better to stimulate and talk like this because what we do is very serious and we love it. And uh, you have to love what you do. Uh, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Um, there was uh, there was this thing about you know, I've always felt that filmmaking itself, even martial arts, you know, they they have so many parallels, and they also come go back to this very fundamental art of hunting that our ancestors used to have, where they you know they get hungry, they go together, they hunt in packs, they grind, you know, kind of like Connie was like they hunt the prey come back, eat it, relax for a while, and then they go back in again. It's very similar to, you know, the whole process of preparing, filmmaking. Uh, it's it's like an evolutionary uh, step on top of it. So I don't, I don't know if I'm like uh, saying it correctly, but- uh, No, you're, I mean, listen, I can, pick up, I can pick up, you know, I can read between that because, you know, you're right. Look, hunting is the most basic primal thing that all human beings mm. do since the beginning of time. Yeah. And also, when you try to become ambitious or achieve something, uh, that is a form of hunting. When you when you want to go build a building or build a house, uh, you have to hunt down how to do that house. <laughs> so when you want to go make a movie, it is a very difficult thing to do. You have to hunt down people that want to go with you to make that movie. And there, there's a lot to that because it's it's a, an instinct that you... You know, you have to go out and, and, and you know, and, and get it and seek it. And because no one's going to bring it to you. That's why it's called a hunt, because if food just landed on your lap, then we wouldn't have had to go out and hunt. So a lot of people think that success and movies and things and stardom and this and that are going to land on your lap. No, you got to go out and hunt. So in making a movie to, to placate what you said, you got to go out and hunt to try to find it. And it's very hard to do. Yeah, yeah. And also, like you, know, you mentioned earlier, the people only see this one and a half to two hours of the movie, but there's so much more to the story that goes on behind the scenes, and people suffer, they literally suffer getting this in front of an audience. And the whole conception that, okay, film filmmaking is so glamorous. Yeah, sure, just probably the red carpet, man, maybe the premiere. Maybe, maybe yeah, the little maybe bit of... Uh, well, it's like you said, look, Akash, you know, you said two hours they sit in front of the TV, but you, yeah. Akash, where you're from, may spend one to two years trying to, to do that, yeah. which means that's a lot of time. They spend two hours and you spend, you know, 20,000 hours to to get that two hours. And a lot of people don't want to do that or know how or they don't really understand it. They just think, OK, you just show up. <laughs> it's like, no, you, it's a struggle. It's a hunt. It's um you know, it's like anything else. Um, but and that, and I think that's the beauty of it. You know, when more people understand what happens behind the scenes when you go to make entertainment or film, um, that also is a, a beautiful thing because it's like an, uh, a factory engine of people working with skill to to push that to to those two hours, right? And and I like that because it's a, a brother and a sisterhood of, you know, let's say a hundred people pushing that thing to that two hours you know and that's cool like you th those are like lasting relationships you have for the rest of your life they become family you know yeah they become family yes they become, become like your your film family you know exactly exactly yeah, film family coming over to creed three we you know we, we notice stylistically that the boxing scenes are quite different right this time what, and... what did you think differently about them 
I mean, pretty much everything from the technique that they're shot to uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's it it, it, it boxing is boxing. Yeah, the way you frame that narrative. Yeah, the 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 way you frame that narrative kind of get us into both characters, both opponents, into their mindset, into the trauma that they've gone through. You know, Akash, and, you're, uh, you're very spot on, man. You you nailed it. You nailed it. You got it. And, you got it. Yeah, it it was uh, <clears throat> it was fresh. That's I think what I'm trying to say. Bottom line is that it was fresh for a boxing movie, <laughs> for a, for a combat movie of any 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 type. Right. So seeing right. this on the big screen, like uh, me and my girlfriend, we went and watched. We're both fans of you know sports dramas. We went and watched them. The moment the movie was done, we turned to each other and were like, fight scenes were amazing. It was top notch. And we were discussing it later on. And the whole, I mean, I've not seen a lot of anime, but I've seen snippets of it to know, to identify that this is this particular style that's being portrayed. And then later, I realized that Michael B. Jordan was uh, a manga anime fan. Yeah, is that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, was the, that were... was the first thing that Michael, when he, when he called mm -hmm. me, he mentioned. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. It's weird. And, um, you know, because previously I'd done four boxing films. I did the, the first Creed. And yeah. in that first Creed, we experimented with a one shot that lasted four minutes. Okay? The single take shot, yeah. Yeah, the single take shot. In the beginning of that, and that's where the term violent ballet came from. It came from Ryan Coogler, the director of Black Panther and Creed. Yeah. Because he showed me the film Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan. Now, when you see Black Swan with Natalie Portman, the camera's doing this and doing this and doing this, and they're sweeping around, almost like a, a theatrical version of West Side Story on a stage. Yeah. Up to that point, I never had any faith in something like that because it was always standard, you know, what you're doing. So in Cree, we did, we did the one shot, and it worked. You know, I didn't think it would work. He convinced me. The director convinced me that it would work, and I and I took a chance on it because I was very nervous. And then we did it, and I was like, "Wow, okay, cool. The, the, all bets are off now. We can do something mm -hmm. here." And then when it when it got to like Creed three, when Michael called me, I had already said, "Look, I've done as much as I can in the boxing world. Boxing movie is the hardest movie to do in all of action. The reason why, what you stated earlier, in a boxing movie, you have one square. That's your environment. Nothing else." And you have two of these. <laughs> now that's very boring because you don't have a bar to slap some guy's head down. You don't have a <laughs> table to do this. You don't have a knife. You don't have a gun. You don't have that. All you got is two fists. So it becomes a violent ballet of a musical because you got to get the guys to perform it. Otherwise you're shooting far away or tight to hide the performance. So the one thing I said to Michael, I said, look, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to hide the performance. I want you guys to learn this, like, you know, James Cagney and Yankee Doodle Dandy or, you know, John Travolta and Saturday Night Fever, you know, where they're, they're dancing, they're doing the stuff. Yeah. And when he said he wants to do anime, I was like, whoa, whoa, my mind's blown now. Like, okay, so you're going to change perspective because I had done all this stuff to try to do this ballet. And then Michael was going, boom, boom, like anime. And I was like, that's it. That's the freshness that Michael inspired me to go out and try to create. And by virtue of that is I mixed what I did in Creed 1 with what Michael's head was in Creed 3 into the smoothness to the perspective change with the anime and the foretelling of like, you know, Adona's vision with the eye, you know, that you saw there. 
and then the slow motion high speed stuff where you you know hit the back and then the water goes like that that's michael's head and um and then it worked and then i got very inspired to say okay now i want to choreograph something and then you're right oshkosh what i said to michael no matter what forget all the uh, theatrics of the explosions of the hits and that i have to bring the camera which you normally don't have into the eyes because in a boxing match when you're fighting i mean i'm a fighter when you're fighting somebody there's a cat mouse game going on in a fight and i want i said to mike i said i want to capture that I want the camera to come sweeping around and go right to the eyes and then go back to the other guy's eyes. I want to know what you're thinking, what he's thinking, cause and effect, action, reaction, and then explode. Because if you do that, then the audience now is going, oh, I know what he's thinking. Yeah, I know what he's thinking. Oh, shit, here it comes. Boom. Because if, if you just do action, the audience gets numb after the first minute. They're like, okay, fine. Boom, 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 boom. But what you need to do is bring the psychological idea into the fight that's what i did so very smart Ashkaj. i'm glad you picked up on that because you're one of the only people that really picked up on it <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad I'm, i guess i guess yeah. hollywood uh, is, is quite stupid at this point <laughs> <laughs> not really because i mean like what you guys did there the whole uh, the little fantasy element you know crowds empty it's just the two of them because that's actually what it is what a fight really is right it's you and your opponent yeah and uh just getting into the psychological mindset where Adonis is uh, the punching bag and uh, uh, Damian Anderson, he sees uh, the boss of the cage, the prison. Correct, correct. That, you know, it puts them, it puts you as the viewer in a whole different perspective. Like, oh man, these two are, it, they're fighting not just themselves, but their entire freaking histories. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's all of that which kind of boils down to this moment put the egos and everything aside it's just these two kids just batting it out on on a play field within their heads and that was just so beautiful yeah it's there it's therapy for them that's the whole point of the scene it's, it's for them to get it out you know off mm. their chest that's what you know this is you know those are michael's ideas and story points that i just translated you know and i helped facilitate amazingly them. well amazingly well i mean uh, it's nothing that we ever seen before and i just can't imagine where, like you guys have pushed the envelope so far where are you gonna go next man <laughs> i don't know to be honest with you that's the thing it's hard because like i said you know i've done five boxing movies and i'm lost for words now and I always I always don't <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm honest about it i can't sit here and go oh, i've got all the answers because the only thing you can do i think is change the drum line and what i mean by that is change the rhythm Okay, a song so? is a song, a melody is a melody, a note is a note. Well, a drum line, you can go two time, one time, one and a half time. You can go bum, 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 boom, bum, 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 It's all about the, you know, the rhythm of the fight. The rhythm of the fight dictates like a, a dance, what you do, right? The tempo. The tempo. The tempo, I think, is the most important. It's like either you, that I think is going to be the next level. It's like a sword scene. If I go, kang, kang, kang. Kang, Kang, Kang. Then it's like that. But if I go, Kang, 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 that changes the pop, pop, pop rhythm. So I think you have to change the drum line in a in a boxing fight to make it more exciting. In order to do that, you have to find two willing people who can perform it because it's like dancing. You, you, it's very hard, and that's usually why in a boxing movie you hide the camera. 
which I tried to get away with it. I, I, I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do these shots where, you know, you're hitting the body like too much. I want to see the guys performing it because otherwise, what musical are we watching? Like, what are we watching here? It's boring. Yeah. Okay, two guys are beating each other up. Great. Love it. But if it's not pretty and you don't see them doing it, then you don't, the you audience don't is on a journey. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the way I approach it. So I don't know, Oshkosh, what's going to be next, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I think if I do another boxing movie, I'm going to really focus on rhythm and the, and I'm going to use the, the same story mentality unless, let's say it's a sports movie from ESPN. Then I got to do more of the ESPN camera because it's TV, right? Mm. You know, you're doing the wides. Yeah. If I'm doing an old film, like say 1920s, 19, then then it's a little bit different because the the lighting is different and the the you know the the smoke in the room and the and the fighters were not that good; they were just tough. So then you yeah. change the the story to the to the era, like you know when it became like Muhammad Ali and Floyd Mayweather, and now everybody's slick. You know, everybody's yeah. slick. They weren't doing that in 1950, 1960. So it depends on the era. It like. Let's say, let, for instance, I got, let's say we do a cyberpunk boxing movie, like in the future. Mm. Then I don't know what to do because then you, you know, then you can do whatever you want. It's like artificial intelligence boxing, you know, like, <laughs> okay. because then they're going to be so good that, you know, there's very little story there, you know, because it's just, you know, it's like Terminator at that point. Uh, so True. it's a very good question. And I don't have all the answers, but if it came to me again, I'd, I'd try to think about the same way I'm thinking now to make it happen. You'll figure it out, I'm sure. I know. Well, I have I have to this point, and I got very lucky, so we'll see. <laughs> Luck, or is it preparation meets opportunity? Both. <laughs> it's both. It's both. And then a lot of a lot of hard work. You know, I oh, think yeah. the greatest asset that you can have as a, a creator is to listen. Mm. Listen and listen and watch. Go a little bit deeper into that. Well, like when you listen, you see the truth around you. Okay, so when you're on a set, if I listen to Michael, Michael says, hey, I want to do anime. At first, I want to shut him down. No, that's stupid. But if I open my ears and listen, I go, maybe this what's that? The, what's that thing that makes you want to shut it down? Is it ego? Or Not, is it so much ego. Not so much ego. It's precedent. Mm -hmm. You understand? Like, you're flying a plane. Yeah. You don't say to someone i'm gonna go okay now i'm gonna fly the plane like this all the way from the you're like yeah, that. You know, the plane takes off and the plane lands and you you're safe but somebody says hey but i want to take off and i want to do this and i want to do that and i want to do that and you're like oh mm. maybe we are you mm. sure mm -hmm. you understand yeah i get you so, I get you. so to yeah. to listen is very important to everything around you because if you surround yourself with smart people they will somebody will say the smart the thing that's right if I'm not open to that, then I'm going to be stubborn, like you said, perhaps. And I'm going to just, ah, I got it. I got it. I'm going to create this. No. What I do is I sit back and watch, just like watching anything else. I watch, listen, and I go. And then I take 20 people's, what they said, and then I go, somewhere along the way, there's the truth. And then I go, now I'm going to do what I believe mixed with that. And then I turn it into something, which is what the product needs, which is the truth. And that's how you find discovery, is by listening. You can't do it by shutting yourself down. You got to keep listening. And keeping an open mind. Yeah, keeping an open mind. Really keep an open mind, man. You know, really. I mean, I've worked a long time in this business. Why? You, you would think that I would have an ego. Yes, I have an ego. Yeah, of course. I'm human. Um, and I know I'm good at what I do a lot of times. But I also know that I'm very bad at what I do. So, I mean, when you know that, then you survive. <laughs>
yeah. <laughs> know thyself. Yeah, know thyself. I know. Know thyself, as they say. You you also mentioned you know uh, listening and watching. So watching not just what's happening on set, but talk to me. Well, watching, a bit. yeah, the watching is visual because men men are very visual people, and yeah. are, we are in a visual form. All right. And that's what we're doing. We're doing moving pictures, motion pictures, you know, digital world, you know, effects, um, all this stuff. So it is a visual world. So visually, you just need to be open as well. You need to open your eyes and just look at everything that's happened visually, you know, in front of you and what kind of painting you want to do to that visual. And then you can find the rhythm of what you want to do and then marry it together and then sort of write, you know, what needs to be there. But there there are certain elements that you, you know, you cannot replace like story um you know they're, they're, okay um so you know it's it, it is what it is you know like you, you need to be both of them need to be there we are doing a visual form you need to understand that but a lot of times i would defer visual you know visual yeah. scope to someone who really really specializes in the visual scope right i can have my opinions and like i like this but then when someone really knows how to achieve that visual scope that's mm -hmm. where you rely on them it's the same way someone relies on me when it says hey i know action and fighting but you know action and fighting i need you to to write that for me and i'll go and write it for them so we all have to lean on each other you know left and right you know to to what we do but i, I do think it's very important um to to look visually and to hear when you're starting out do everything and anything you know do everything and anything make ten thousand mistakes because your mistakes are your greatest teacher and um, and don't listen to anybody talking to just follow what you want to do surround yourself with people walking in the same direction and when you do that when you when you surround yourself with people walking in the same direction it doesn't matter how you make mistakes how you did it's what you discover and how you learn how curious you are and getting better emulate what's out there emulation is the greatest gift you can give somebody emulation is what all fighters do we emulate all fighters um, we emulate our coaches. So I think that that's very important to put, to infuse in film work, um, in anything you do. Like I said, I've never had an original idea in my life. Um, so I am a, the biggest thief in the world. Uh, and so put me in jail in film jail for stealing from everybody. And I, and I hope someday somebody steals from me. Well, I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, I, I, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> You're more than happy. Go ahead. It's yours. We it's not going to be stealing because you gave me permission, though. Uh, that's right. Correct. <laughs> that's not fair. I'll steal something else. I'll, I'll yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clayton, thank you so much for doing this. This has been enlightening and equally amazing because uh, we went deeper rather than surface level, like you were saying. And uh, it's more than I actually expected. This has been quite the conversation. Okay, so and, you're uh, you're okay with it, right, Akash? I am beyond happy. <laughs> okay. Well, I really appreciate it. I want you to stay in touch with me. Let me know how you're doing in your country over there and in your film career. Uh, I'll let you know what what I'm doing, and you know if I ever get in that side of the world. A lot of times I get offered to come over to India. I know it's not too far from there. Um, oh no, it's just a hop, step, and a jump over yeah, there. Yeah, jump you're over always there. welcome. Yeah, and I and welcome. I think because uh, your your capital city is Colombo, right? It is, yeah. Yeah, Colombo. Love to visit there. Uh, big major history there. I'm a big historian. Um, love to travel there someday. So um, stay in touch with me. I really appreciate it and uh, appreciate your time as well. 100%. Definitely going to keep in touch and looking forward to everything else you do. And until next time, this is John Kelly, folks.